Blog Talk Radio. Cardinals are world champs. Welcome, everyone, to the Red Bird Rants official podcast. This is episode number four. We are so excited to have you with us. I am Michael Miles, editor of Red Bird Rants. Uh, the first time I actually get to just say editor, the one and only uh, currently. Um, and I am joined tonight by three of our outstanding writers, Tito Rivera. How are you, Tito? Doing great. Let's get going. That's right. We've actually got uh, Nathan Grime with us again. Nathan, how are you? Doing great as well. And we've added in for this episode one of our brand new writers, Josh McDonald. Josh, how are you? I'm doing awesome. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, and Josh, uh, for our listeners, Tito and Nathan have given us some intros and some earlier podcast, but I'd like to just sort of give you a couple of minutes here just to introduce yourself to our listeners, maybe plug one or two of your articles, uh, and just let us know who you are. Uh, well, I'm 25. I live just across the river from St. Louis, so I have plenty of time to go to these games. It's always been a passion of mine uh, ever since I was little, um, but I think I got the opportunity to write and kind of just ran with it. I just got one on the on the page about potential ex- external options for the bullpen in uh, my first article was uh, potential trade targets come midseason. Uh, I think that this is a great opportunity and I'm really excited to continue it because talking about Cardinals baseball what's better. Yeah, and, and those are some really great pieces. If you, the listener, have not gone and read those pieces, please jump over to redbirdrants.com. Check those out. Check out all the other pieces. We are putting up stuff every single day. Have some great new writers coming on. Uh, These three are outstanding, so make sure you jump over and do that. So before we dive into one of our topics tonight, I just sort of want to go around the horn and just have everybody just sort of tell what's going on in your world tonight if you're watching the game and some quick thoughts. Uh, We're right now in the bottom of the first inning with Michael Walker on the mound, a runner on first. A, a one-two count with a one out, but uh, let's go around the horn. Tito, kick us off. Let us know how things are for you right now and, and what's on your mind currently. I think the biggest, um, probably the most important thing to think about right now is that the Cardinals offense has kind of shown up this first inning. It's nice to get three runs on the board, um, and I really hope that Michael Walker can continue uh, to do what the other starting pitchers have done in the last couple games. I mean, they've been dynamite, so hopefully they keep that up. Yeah, perfect. Nathan, you're up next. Yeah, well, we saw Dexter Fowler finally break out of that prolonged skid, so that was good to see. There was even some some murmurs in the last 24 hours or so whether Fowler would be moved out of his 
his leadoff spot, but he got a base hit. Yadier Molina has already extended his hitting streak to 14 games now. And, yeah, as Tito said, we'll see if Michael Waka can keep the strong turn by the rotation up. Obviously, eight innings in one run, like we saw from Lynn and Leak, is a, is a great outing. But even a quality start from Waka would be good here as the Cardinals have already staked into a 3 nothing lead. Yeah, perfect. And, Josh, what's on your mind? Well, I'm currently sitting in a condo in Myrtle Beach wondering why the TV doesn't have MLB networks and I have to follow the game <laughs> on MLB TV on my phone. <laughs> well, I, you know, I hate to tell you that none of us feel sorry for you. I can't blame <laughs> you. Well, guys, we've got a, a great, a great, great set of topics for tonight. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Tito does a great job for us by putting together our topic list. He's always got some great insights put out there for us to talk about, and I'm really excited for us to jump into the first topic. And the first topic we want to look at tonight is really, and I love how you put it, Tito, you called it the aftermath of the roster move. And you know, I just want to open the floor and have somebody jump in. I mean, I know that we've seen recently Sierra going to AA. We saw the, the trade of Matt Adams to Atlanta. Um, we've seen a couple guys activated off the disabled list. And then we got that really frustrating uh, fact that the Cardinals fell short in a bidding war again. So um, really the, the floor's open. Somebody just jump in and let me know what you think about those things. Uh, of those, anything else that jumps into your mind about roster moves? Yeah, well, for me at least, the Matt Adams trade was unexpected. I know we talked about in the last episode whether Atlanta would be a target for Matt Adams and for the Cardinals to trade with uh, uh, Tito and I kind of didn't really see that happening, but they end up getting the deal done and Adams is off to a good start with the Braves. Yeah, and, let me and, inter- um, and let me interrupt you really quickly. I said he was going to Adams. Let's just yeah. point that I'm going to Atlanta. Let's just point that out. I <laughs> knew that was so, coming. I just want to plug that in there. <laughs> no, yeah. Sorry, so we'll give credit. Where, no, that's all right. Credit should be given where it's due, but yeah, Adams is off to a good start. And I think, um, you know, I kind of – Matt Adams was probably on his way eventually. I didn't see it happening right now because he had actually been off to a good start for the Cardinals as a left-handed uh, bat off of the bench, and the Cardinals kind of have a little bit of a hole there now, like who's who's going to be your, your power bat off the bench in the late innings. Uh, Greg Garcia is now their only left-handed bat off the bench on a regular day if you have a regular lineup out there. But, um, you know, the, the way I kind of see it, they get, a, they get a 19-year-old infield prospect who's – at at the single A level in return. And, you know, this might be kind of, you know, a result of the Cardinals not having high draft picks this year. They're trying to, you know, replenish their farm system perhaps. And I know we're bidding for Luis Robert would be, would have been helping to replenish the farm system and kind of make up for the lack of draft picks, early draft picks, at least this, this summer for the Cardinals. But yeah, the Matt Adams move was kind of, you know, moved fast after Freddie Freeman went down. And, I mean, the Cardinals roster in, in the corresponding move, Stephen Piscotty comes back. So you're glad to see Piscotty back. And um, Sierra goes down, but we know Sierra, you know, he had a good good couple, good week or so in the major league. So I'd expect to see him back in St. Louis eventually. And I'll kind of jump in on that Matt Adams trade. Um, honestly, you know, you and I both said it, Nate, you know, this is a team that was in rebuild mode. So for them to to go out and, and get Matt Adams from the Cardinals, it, it 
really kind of shocked me. I mean, they probably have a couple guys that they could have used uh, at first base to get some playing time. So uh, I don't think that the Braves think that they're in it, but it certainly is a questionable move by the Braves. And and as you kind of point out, Nathan, a questionable move by the Cardinals to get rid of a left-handed power bat off of your bench. And granted, he probably was – wanting to play some more and, and get that playing time, but the Cardinals were doing fine without him on in the lineup, so that wasn't going to happen either. Um, Sierra going down, you know, that's the most, you know, that was the most obvious thing that was going to happen. So I'm not too shocked, but you can't say enough about what he did when he was up with the team. I mean, he batted 367, you know, had 11 hits. He stole a base, was walking. I mean, he he was doing it all. So, and his OBP was 406. So that's that's pretty good from a guy that was in single A ball to jump up to the majors. And uh, you know, the Luis Robert thing, I'm not shocked either. I was I didn't have my hopes up, so I, that it didn't really shock me. I gotta agree with the Luis Robert thing. You know. It's it's hard constantly being a bridesmaid and never the bride when it comes to these sorts of things. But I guess it depends on who you believe when it comes to Robert. Because Keith Law seems to believe he's pretty overrated. While I've seen quite a few more in his favor, and he's young, so it's going to be really hard to figure out until down the road how much of a loss that was for us. But it's hard to see. It's hard to see how anybody but the White Sox were the favorite. They went in and offered the money, and they had. Mancada and Abreu in their corner, two pretty top-notch Cuban players. So that was going to be hard to beat. Uh, when it comes to Adams to Atlanta, that was something that kind of needed to happen, I think, in a way. He hadn't started since April 27th. Yeah, it leaves a hole on the bench, but he just wasn't going to be the guy everybody wanted it to be. Now it's going to hurt if he does become that guy, considering he's already has two home runs in the, his first series with Atlanta with the one more than he had with us all year. Um, unfortunately, his time here was over, and I think that him and the Cardinals are going to be better off for it down the road. The Sierra one bothered me. That's where I was really upset. Peralta coming up, you knew this one was going to happen, but it hurt a little bit. It was hard to expect Sierra to stay with the team, considering his age and the logjam of outfielders, but his production was hard to deny. I think it's interesting that you mentioned his his production because, like I said, I mean his his batting average was 367 and OBP is 406. I mean you're not even getting you're not even getting half of that out of Randall Grichik right now, and that's the frustrating part for me. I mean I I'm gonna keep going on it and keep saying that you know Randall Grichik is is not doing it for me. It, it just it's just not happening. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but it, I'm to the point where I've give, I've kind of given up on Randall Grichik, and I think it's time for the Cardinals to move on. Peter and Grichik's out of the starting lineup tonight in favor of Tommy Pham, so it seems that Tommy Pham will get, get some extended looks with Grichik struggling. But I think the trade, having Matt Adams traded away from the Cardinals actually – does well for Grichik because that means he'll have more opportunities. Obviously they don't play the same position, but I mean, when you've got a guy like Adams 
coming off the bench for pinch hits. Grichik's probably like your number one pinch hitting guy now if he's not starting. And I thought that either Grichik or Adams would be dealt this year anyways, so I would be surprised to see the Cardinals deal Grichik. I don't really think he's going to be going down to the minor leagues either since he's kind of gone up and down for the last two, three seasons anyways. So we'll just have to see how, how Grichik deals with this. I've always been a Grichik apologist, and I'm not proud of that. I always want to see him do well, and I can always make an excuse for him when he's struggling, but it's hard to deny the ability he has. It just doesn't put it into into games consistently. I mean, after everybody watched that first game this year, it was hard to deny you thought that he was, uh, wasn't going to have a big year coming, but then he goes into these extended slumps, and it makes it like, what's the point of having him in there? All he is is kind of a gaping hole in the lineup for us. To me, the biggest thing that Grichik suffers, where the team suffers because of Grichik, is the strikeouts. He, he's striking out way, way, way too much. I mean, think about the strikeout that he had yesterday, the the two pitches up in the zone. I mean, he looks – I mean, who swings at that? Uh, you, can't, you can't keep making excuses for, uh, for this kid anymore. He – we know he has the tools. He's just can't. He's just not. He's not putting it together. And I'm not saying that he can't, but he's not doing it. And that's the frustrating part about sending a kid like Magnusier down, because he was doing what you expected out of uh, uh, an outfielder. And that's exactly what the Cardinals need. I mean, I, I get that Magnus Sierra is probably a, an everyday center fielder. And right now, Dexter Fowler's in that position. But I'm telling you, if the Cardinals want to win now, you've got to put your best players out there. Grichik right now just is not one of them. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. And checking in on Sierra and Double A, he's he's considered he's continued his success to an extent. Through it's, it's only been five games, but batting 294 with a triple and three RBIs. So it's nice to see that he's continuing his success down there because that jump was, was a pretty impressive leap up to the majors and to see him hit like that was, was something else really. Yeah. When you talk about Randall Gritchick, there's really been two holes in his swing. Tito, you mentioned the one last night that you saw with the high fastballs that he continues to swing and miss at. And we've also seen him go fishing for the low and away breaking balls, sliders, curveballs, and things like that. You know, this is kind of the reason I don't I don't see a trip, a demotion to the minor leagues really beneficial for him because he said, you know, he's had years to work on these things. And I think this is kind of just the Randall Gritchick we're going to see. I mean, he can hit mistakes. He can hit fastballs. You know, if, if you've got a struggling pitcher, he can hit that pitcher. But if you have a pitcher like a Clayton Kershaw, or even last night, the guys that were thrown to him that know what they're doing against Randall Gritchick, he's he's going to be exposed. And those holes in the swings look pretty ugly when that happens. And sadly enough, Grichik has a home run in the playoffs against Kershaw. So yeah. <laughs> that was like, yeah, that was like the very first time he went up against. Uh, yeah, him, so. it, it's it's frustrating because think about it this way: Grichik has 48 strikeouts through 42 games for the Cardinals. I mean that you can't. I mean, there's nothing to say. I mean, he's strike striking out practically once a game, a little bit higher than that. That's an upsettingly but, impressive number. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's but it's that's that's my point though is that at this point we're all expecting him to be you know a two seventy two eighty hitter guy that's hitting twenty five home runs driving in seventy RBIs 
and he's only batting 232 with 48 strikeouts. No, I'm a hard no and a hard pass, please. You know, I had a, some really high hopes for Grichik, really high hopes. And the thing that frustrates me the most with Grichik is that they don't send him down. I mean, am I not the am I the only one that's frustrated? Yeah, well, with that? see, they've done this. I mean, like in 2014, they did it. In 2015, they did it. In 2016, they did it. And I, I kind of think Grichik is just a streaky hitter. Like, whether he goes down or goes up, if he's going to be on a hot streak, you know, it doesn't really matter if he's in Triple A or the or the major leagues. Like, he's on a hot streak. Um, obviously, the quality of pitching is different, but. I mean, there's guys in the minor leagues doubtless that are throwing low and away sliders and high fastballs that Grichik is swinging and missing at at the same time. So I don't know. I just, from the way I see it, I don't really see that as the most beneficial thing for Grichik. Maybe for the Cardinals it would be beneficial. But, I mean, if you're trying to get Grichik off the major league roster, then why not just trade him? Because the Cardinals have a log jam of outfielders in the minor leagues as it is. And you have Harrison Bader in AAA. Uh, you've got Sierra now in double A along with Adolis Garcia, who is uh, the Cuban outfielder who was signed this year. So you don't want Grichik taking away playing time from those outfielders who are trying to develop and make it to the show eventually either. So it's, it's a sticky situation. So there's two, there's two things to, to all of this and getting traded. The only reason he hasn't been traded now is because he hasn't done anything um, worthy of. Yeah, I completely saying, agree. Well, I'll take a flyer on that. The other piece to it is, is if you're going to trade him, it makes sense to send him down just to get his back going and say, hey, maybe, and then throw him at a team and say, hey, he's starting to turn it around down there. What do you, you know, what do you guys think? And you might, and I guarantee you at this point, you're not going to get a good haul for Randall Gritchick. Yeah, he's young, but you're not going to get as big of a haul as you would think. As long, and if you do, that means you're packaging Randall Gritchick with a starting pitching prospect to go get somebody else. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, they're, the Cardinals have no reason to trade him at yeah. this point. Yeah, I think if Gritchick were to be traded, it would be in, in part of a package with somebody else. Like his value just by himself is probably not that much. No, not it's nothing. I mean, we, we saw what Matt Adams, you know, we saw what Matt Adams' value was just by himself. I mean, an yeah, 18 year old prospect, single A yeah, guy, a single A guy. Yeah, it'd be I different. would think Gritchick's value would be that, or perhaps even less. No, actually, I think Gritchick's Gritchick's value is a little higher because he was a starter, and he's been on the starting lineup, and he can show that he can have these opportunities, but he's not going to get you anything higher than maybe a high A or maybe a double A player. Yeah. Well, I mean, Adams has been a starter too. And part of the, that trade was done out of necessity. So it's not like we are looking for Matt Adams. To be like, they did yeah, I, I'm right there with you guys. And I, I think that, you know, the sad thing is, and Tito, I think you hit on it perfectly well. The, the critical thing to me with Randall Gritchick is we must send him down to wake his bat up so we can have any value from him at all, whether that's value to the team current or value to another team out there. Without his bat, 
he has no value. And I and I wonder if the Cardinals are just, you know, sitting on it and just saying, I hope he can turn it around. Because, you know, like I said, he's 25 years old. He's young. He's got a lot of years of MLB in him still. So, I I mean, I, I don't expect the Cardinals to, to just willy-nilly trade him for, you know, crap. But, you know, if he's if they're going to keep him, you have to do what's best for the team, and you have to send him down, get him at bats, get himself right, and bring back – or either you stick with Tommy Pham and left, and bring and bring back uh, Magnera Sierra. I mean, that's that's the thing that you have to do. I mean, we all talk about winning the World Series and whatnot. That includes winning the games in between them. You just don't show up to the World Series. You have to win these games. And right now, when Grichik starts, it's it's tough to watch because he he's just not producing. And you're relying on everybody else when the Cardinals are as a team are running 255 or whatever. That's not good enough. I, I have a follow-up question to the Grichik, and then it, that's probably going to lead us into our next topic. But the follow-up question to the Grichik, and, and really to you, Tito, and I, I'd love to hear from you, Josh, and Nathan as well on this, but who makes that decision? Who is the guy, Tito, or the guys or the brain trust who's sitting in the back, either sitting on Grichik, hoping he's going to get better, <laughs> or – deciding ultimately that listen Grichik has to you know be moved in a trade or go down to Memphis to wake his bat or and listen we know who makes that but who do you think is really holding the, that final key to the launch code uh that's a really good question I'm gonna have to say I think John Mosaic has the keys uh, I, I think Matheny likes Grichik, and, you know, maybe Grichik is one of Matheny's guys, as we like to say. But I, I truly think that, you know, we saw John Mosellac say, hey, enough of this with Peralta and enough of everything else, or Matt Adams in left field, this is what's going to happen. Um, and I think, so I think John was like, has it, but I'll leave it up to the other guys to help me out on that one. Cause I, that's a really tough question. You know, in reference to this, I got a question for the group. If they ever, do you, any of you see the scenario with Matheny's guys where we could have a money ball situation where Mo just trades the guy from out from under him. And that's finally just like, Hey, you can't use him anymore. I've been telling you to stop using them and you keep using him. Like they did with uh, and and Moneyball, where they traded away Carlos Pena because they wanted Hatterberger first. I mean, how what is this, the point where we're finally just like Matheny's guys have to stop? Because I, I'm pretty sure Grichik's one of his guys. He never gives up on him. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we kind of even saw that in 2014 when Alan Craig was struggling the entire year, and yet Oscar Tavares eventually called up and then he actually spent most of the time on the bench. He wasn't getting a lot of starts and eventually Alan Craig was just traded to Boston. And then that opened up the room for Tavares and, you know, eventually in the playoffs, it was actually Randall Gritchick that got most of the playing time in right field anyways, but it's, I mean, it's probably possible. I mean, Mo would probably want to see, you know, Tommy Pham successful for a longer period of time than just the last two weeks. Don't get me wrong. Tommy Pham has been, has been good. He's kind of cooled off since that, since he first got back, but I mean, you can't expect him to 
hit three home runs in every single series as he did against the Braves. But you probably want to see Mo see a guy like Tommy Pham or maybe see Sierra back here for an extended period of time or another outfielder before you would trade away Gritchick in that situation. Um, but at the same time, Mo traded for Gritchick, you know, after the 2013 season and part of the David Freeze deal that sent Freeze to the Angels. So he's been high on Gritchick too. I mean, not only Matheny, and yeah, Matheny's given him a lot of playing time down the stretch last year when he did well. And then to begin this season when he struggled a little bit more. So yeah, it's possible, but I don't think we're at that point right now. We'd have to see a little bit more fallout from either Gritchick struggling or another guy emerging for that to happen. Interestingly, I think that some of the Matt Adams to Atlanta is a little bit of a sign to Matheny that, hey, your your guys aren't overly protected because, honestly, I think that Adams was a Matheny guy. Yeah, I mean, well, it, it, seems, it seems like it, I would say. And I wonder how, how much of the Matt Adams trade was the Braves initiating it, though, instead I think of that the Cardinals absolutely, trying to get I think rid it absolutely, of it. Yeah, and I think it actually was the Braves. The Braves came calling. They knew their poor in right field. Yeah. They, they, yeah, they came calling for a Matt Adams. I yeah. think that when they picked up James Loney, they felt like they had a, some protection with him, but they wanted a little bit more of a, a guy who could actually pull and hit and, and do some stuff there, and I think that's what they went and got him. Yeah. Uh, what we want to do next is let's turn gears a little, and we're probably going to revisit this same question of who makes these decisions a couple times in our podcast tonight. But let's take a little break, and when we come back, let's look at the very painful Cardinals bullpen. Stick with us. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. You are listening to the official podcast of the Redbird Rants. This is our fourth podcast on this season. We are so excited to have it this season. Redbird Rants is one of fan-sided sports blogs dedicated to the St. Louis Cardinals. We are joined tonight by Tito Rivera, Nathan Grime, and Josh McDonald, and I am Michael Miles, and we're so glad to have you back. If you missed anything before, rewind, listen again. We are now going to be turning gears a little, and we're going to talk about some very frustrating topics quite honestly, and those are the bullpen pitchers for the St. Louis Cardinals. Talk about Brett Cecil, Kevin Segrist. Um, are we worried about anybody? Or, uh, how about Rosenthal? Is, is, he a, is he a closer again? Is he back? Um, and, and other things, you know, is, is there something to be done to help correct and fix this bullpen? I don't know about you guys, but even in just mentioning what we're, what we're going to talk about and saying the names Brett Cecil and Kevin Segrist, there's a part of me that sort of already feels a bit of panic. I think it's what, kind of hard to at that point. I mean, they came out and they paid Brett Cecil quite a bit of money to make sure that they could lock him down and bring him onto the team. Unfortunately, there's been very little success there. After a rough start, he went on a nice little stretch where he seemed to be improved. Then he reverted back to who we saw to start the season. Now, looking back at Brett Cecil, Cecil, it's painfully obvious that he is not a first-half pitcher. His last three seasons, his first-half stats have been quite a bit worse than his second-half stats. So it's completely possible that we might be praising him come July, but for the amount of money that we gave him, it's kind of hard to be okay with just second-half performance. 
he needs to be a full-time guy. Yeah, Josh, you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, the Cardinals are going to need Cecil to be better. They're going to need him to be better immediately pretty much because they don't have a lot of great ops in their uh, I recently wrote a piece on the Cardinals bullpen, kind of looked at uh, the instances in which the bullpen has struggled this year, and then kind of took a look at uh, all, all the relief arms down in the bullpen for the Cardinals and how they're doing. And Trevor Rosenthal is really the only guy that's been consistently good this year for the Cardinals. And that, I think, is a surprise because he was injured last year. He had the closers role, and then um, he struggled mightily in that he walked a lot of guys, walk percentages way up and um, lost his closer's role. And then we didn't know what he would be heading into the season. Would he be a starting pitcher? Would he be a long reliever? But he's kind of the eighth inning guy now. And, you know, the question of could he be a closer again, I think for the Cardinals this season, as it is, it doesn't really matter if he's going to be the closer or not, because whether Sung Wan Oh is pitching in the ninth inning or the eighth inning, Trevor Rosenthal is going to be pitching the other one. So if Oh is the closer, Rosenthal will be pitching the eighth inning. If they have to remove O from the closers role and put Rosenthal in the ninth inning, I mean, who's going to be your eighth inning guy then? I mean, Sungwano is probably still going to get some late inning appearances. So I expect O to be the, to be the ninth inning guy moving forward. Yes, he did blow his second save of the season recently, but I mean, Rosenthal has been good. It's been pretty good. Uh, a name you mentioned, Kevin Segrist, he's struggled. He gave up the three runs in the 13 inning game against the Giants over the weekend. But, um, a thing about Segrist that has improved is, you know, he walked like, you know, 11 guys in eight innings or something like that in April, but in the month of May, he hasn't walked anybody yet. So that's good to see. Yes. He's given up some hits. So he'll have to work that out. He kind of seems like a different pitcher, less velocity, a lot more soft stuff, but I mean, the Cardinals are going to have to rely on, on Segrist to get some big outs as well. Uh, you know, we talked about Brett Cecil last episode and I, you know, had that, comment where he's given up three home runs already in 23 games and he gave up six total home runs in 54 games last season Uh, you know I'm not impressed I don't think anybody really is impressed you know he's got a 540 ERA that's not good in 15 innings that he's pitched Kevin Segrist has a 5.29 ERA in 17 innings. You know, Sung Wan Oh has a 3.13 ERA in 23 innings. So, I mean, it's. I think the frustrating part of this is that the Cardinals are in position to win games, and it comes down to the bullpen not being able to either a hold a lead or it's tied and they give up a big home run because it, or, you know, a big hit. So it's frustrating because, you know, you're talking about what you probably say a handful of games at this point that the Cardinals probably could have won. And that would have made a huge difference in the NL central standings. Because if you, if you take maybe five games and you give them three games, you're talking about a 26 and 17 team going into tonight, which would still be in first place, and atop the uh, you're probably a couple games up on the Cubs still, and now you find yourself practically tied with the Cubs and both a half game back of Milwaukee. So 
I think the frustrating part about the bullpen is that they cannot seem to figure it out on a consistent basis to keep us in games or to lock down a game when we really need it. I mean, that Boston game, giving up that lead, oh, good grief. I'm telling you, that was that's as bad as it gets. Yeah, and in the article I wrote, I looked at, I took a look at every single game in which the Cardinals bullpen had either blown a save, so blown a lead, and went on to lose the game, or the game was like tied in the late innings or extra innings, and they gave up a run and then lost the game. And there's been ten of those games so far for the Cardinals this year. Um, so that's more than, I mean, nearly that's half their losses. So they're 23 and 20 as of tonight, uh, Thursday night. So half of their losses have been in those instances, and they've lost four games in which. They were leading when the game went to the bullpen, and then the bullpen blew the lead. Offense didn't come back, and they lost that game. So, yeah, you're talking about a difference of at least four games and then and then more. Um, some of those games, of course, were times when the bullpen's, uh, you know, one blip was easily magnified because the offense wasn't able to score some runs. So, like, the 13-inning game against San Francisco – comes to mind uh, the game just two nights ago against the Dodgers. Once we got Clayton Kershaw out of there, the Cardinals offense wasn't able to score off of the Dodgers bullpen. Um, but yeah. And then also some of the struggles I think have kind of been a lack of roles for this bullpen. Kind of the only set roles we've seen are Rosenthal in the eighth inning and O in the ninth inning. And I suppose you could say Bowman either in the sixth or seventh inning with a lead. But besides that, there's really, really no rhyme or reason to where Matheny's bringing guys in. I mean, he likes to have Seegers and Cecil face lefties, but they've both struggled against lefties in their career, and that's carried over to this season. Um, and, yeah, like in the extra inning game against the Dodgers the other night, we had Rosenthal and O, uh, both pitch, both get more than three outs, but then you have Jonathan Broxton's the very first guy to come in next after Bowman, Rosenthal, and O, and he, he gives up the game-winning runs. There's not really a lot of, you know, a lot of set reasons or set roles, I should say, of who's coming in and what situation, and that might also be a contributing factor to the struggles we've seen. Imagine that, Medini having bullpen <laughs> management troubles. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. So summarize it up into one sentence, hit it right there. The problem, is, the problem is this team, the bullpen is going to be make or break for them. They're only going to go as far as the bullpen will allow. We know what we're – what we're seeing from the starting pitching is incredible and the offense is spotty, but when it's on, it's on and they're very successful, but the bullpen has eliminated however many chances for wins for them. Now we all know that this offense can be very streaky. So relying on the bullpen is going to be key when we're then, when we're not putting up runs like against Kershaw, they got lucky to tie that game. They Kershaw made a mistake that Kershaw rarely makes. They kept them in that game, and they, they took that one shot they had and wasted it because the bullpen couldn't hold on to it. At this point in time, when you look at the bullpen, uh, is there anyone you really, really trust outside of Rosenthal, Bowman, and O? For me, nope. that's no. Nope. That's, nope. And that's completely unacceptable for having that many guys out there in the bullpen, and we can only trust three. Yeah, and 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 you kind of – are pushing the point of overuse as well. I mean, you're, you're going out there and I think that's where kind of Matheny is right now is that I think he realizes that Bowman 
Rosenthal and O are the only ones doing anything worth being on the field. And so he goes to them so much that their arms are going to get tired. And that's why, you know, I mean, we'll say, quote, unquote, Rosenthal can't pitch two days in a row because he's sore. But that's that's the over, that's probably an, another issue to discuss. But the overuse of the arms at this point, it's going to come back to haunt the Cardinals if they don't do something. I mean, if, if they're really going to keep Jonathan Broxton on the roster, uh, it's going to be a really long season. A really, really long season. I feel like the overuse thing is something we have had to discuss every year for the last three years. He, it's the, one of those Matheny's guys situation where he finds the guys he can trust and he throws them like crazy. How many innings did Matt Bowman throw last year? I thought his arm was going to fall off. Yeah. Imagine that, Matheny having management problems. Yeah. And, you know, the Matheny's guys thing is, is well documented. It, it happens a lot. But if there's ever a time where Matheny should lean on should lean on certain players because of what they've been able to do, I guess the bullpen would be this season, the bullpen would be that time. Like, yeah, it, it might come back to haunt them. But, I mean, it's only May, so hopefully they can turn something around. But as we said, there's really no other good options outside of those three guys we mentioned. So if they're if you're able to get you know hold the lead with those three guys and you don't have to go deeper into the bullpen and you're getting the win because of it, then I suppose that's good for the short term. For the long term, then it's an entirely different question, and I suppose that could kind of lead us into maybe a discussion about what what could be done about this Cardinals bullpen, what could be added. Um, I talked in my article that I've mentioned. I talked about uh, some some minor league arms that could perhaps be added to the bullpen. Um, you know that might happen, but Josh. Josh also wrote about potential trade trade possibilities nearing the deadline this summer. And I think that's even more likely if, if John Moselak isn't shopping for a relief pitcher or multiple relief pitchers come July, I'd be shocked. Yeah. You know, in the article, I mentioned four guys uh, and there's a lot more obviously out there, but of the four, which include uh, Cologne, uh Herrera from uh, Kansas city, and then two Philadelphia Phillies pitchers in Pat Neshek and John Mark Gomez, it's far more likely that we would see the Cardinals pursuing a Neshek or a Gomez instead of a Cologne or a Herrera, because you have to, you have to look at the Cardinals trade history. Um, they aren't likely to give up a top prospect. They, 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 they hold tight onto these guys, even though it seems like we might have a, like a log jam when it comes to outfielders that they could use one to go find, to go get, a Cologne to anchor the bullpen or a Herrera from a struggling Royals team. But more than likely, you're going to see them go for a guy like they've gone for before in like a Pat Neshek, who is potentially a very good addition, but he's not going to cost that much. And I think yeah. that's why that's what you're going to see them pursuing. Yeah. I would love to see Pat Neshek back in a Cardinals uniform. I think you make a pretty interesting point with uh, Herrera um, being out here in Kansas City, I kind of listen to what they have to say. Think about what they did earlier this year. They traded Wade Davis for Jorge Soler, and that has not worked out at all for the Royals. And anybody with a brain would have told their general manager not to do that. But, hey, it's Kansas City. Um, and 
I think the Kansas City Royals are kind of faced with a, a decision on if they're not going to keep Lorenzo Cain after this year, who is a free agent, maybe Herrera is worth dealing for somebody like, you know, a couple prospects in the Cardinals farm system, uh, especially outfielding prospects. Uh, heck, maybe even Randall Gritchick could entice the Kansas City Royals a little bit. Um, Alex Colomb is another good name I had not really thought about. Um, he's a high-profile guy. I mean, he can he can really throw the ball and, and is he can he can really gun it. And John Mark Gomez, I'm not so high on. I think he uh, kind of scares me with his high ERA at times. I think when you look at Alex Colomb, it's kind of one of those things where he he's under contract for a while, and he has some very, very real success early on in his career, and he's got some power to him. So it depends how much you're willing to give up. And honestly, I think the Royal – or the Rays, my apologies, would, would honestly start the conversation with a guy like Bader. And how realistic is that? It's probably not. But would you be willing to trade a Luke Weaver for a reliever? No. No. I think that's a general consensus among, among everybody, but I think that's the kind of guy you're going to have to look at to get a guy like Colomb. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's probably a fair assessment. Um, but I, starting pitching for a relief pitcher, absolutely not. Yeah, and I want to go back. You said that, it, you know, one of the things to be offered that they'd come calling for would be Bader. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not going to make a whole lot of friends with, with this statement, but I, I think the future for Bader is on another team. And I think that as the time ticks by, I just feel like the likelihood, and I was having a conversation with one of our former writers uh, just a couple weeks ago, or actually last week. It just seems to me that the future for Bader is, is, where, is somewhere else. Um, you know, I don't feel that way about Carson Kelly, but I certainly feel that way about Bader. I, when I watch him here in Memphis, I mean, the, the dude can play ball. But yeah, I think, I think the rise of Magnaris Sierra kind of puts that into light. Not to interrupt you, sorry. No, no, absolutely. You, you were saying exactly what I was going to say, you know, because I think that if, if the organization thought that Bader was here to stay, I think he's the one that gets called. And and his phone didn't ring. Yeah. Well, at the same time, he wasn't on the 40-man roster, and Sierra was. So they would have had to make a move for that. I would, you know, I'm, and, I would actually And, and that's that, a very fair point, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I would think that Randall Gritchick's struggles, which you talked about earlier, would actually increase Bader's value for, to the Cardinals. You know, they'd want to hold mm-hmm. on to him even more. Yeah. Um, you know, Priscotti's locked up and Fowler's locked up. So Gritchick is kind of the only question mark, like how long is Gritchick going to be a starting outfielder for the Cardinals? Um, so you have Sierra and Bader, who are two guys the Cardinals are pretty, probably pretty high on. We might see them each get an opportunity, you know, later this year, even next season. But um, you mentioned Carson Kelly. I would actually take the opposite view. I would find it more likely that the Cardinals would trade Kelly than trade Bader. Personally, yeah, and I, I agree with you. Uh, point there. 
I think I mean, Ken, yeah, Ketchum is such a premier position, whereas, you know, teams have three starting outfielders. I think a, a team would want to trade for Carson Kelly more than a Harrison Bader. And I'm totally with you. Totally, totally with you. Um, and actually, I was on that bus early, you know, when we did not put Kelly in, in the majors to start the season, when we brought in Eric Fryer, which I like. Um, I really felt like Kelly was going elsewhere. I don't know that I still feel that way. And the reason I say that is what I'm watching him do this year in Memphis is it feels to me as though they're making him to be the true successor to, to Yachty. Yeah. He has, I mean, he, now, he's hitting really well too. He's sitting over 300 in Memphis. That's I right. just wondered how long right. you can keep him in Memphis realistically. Until it's finally just like, okay, he needs to come up. But when he comes up, he's not going to play every day. So you have to find him at best. And his value is going to be pretty high as a catcher on the trade market. As much as I would love to see him in a Cardinals uniform, I kind of have to agree that there's a very real chance that he does not hit the major leagues as a Cardinal. Okay, so who who are you trading for? I think that if you want to go after a, one of the really good third basemen that that we've seen, that Carson Kelly's probably on the list there of guys that you would have to have, have to include to get a really good third baseman. Yeah, and I think before we saw how how well the starting pitching for the Cardinals has been this year, you would kind of if you would you were to say Carson Kelly will be traded in July, you'd you know suppose maybe it'd even be for a starting pitcher. But I, I mean, I, I don't think he'll yeah. be in the market for a starting pitcher now. Now that, yeah, we've, now that season, we've seen how good the rotation's been. Before the season, there were quite a few uh, Jose Quintana rumors, and you right, had exactly. Carson Kelly would have been cont- part of that. But it's really funny to think of where we are right now because if Alex Reyes didn't get hurt, where would we be at this point? Because there was all the discussion before the year, who does Alex Reyes take, uh, take over for in the rotation? Is it Waka or Leak? And both of them have been incredible. Right. Yeah, correct. Um, let me let me put this out there, and then we need to take a break. But this is my conspiracy theory, and I actually have a piece that's going to go up tomorrow that discusses this exact option. Um, and it is total conspiracy theory. There's probably no truth to it at all. There's pro- it's all, probably all just speculation. But I find myself wondering if the activation of Peralta has more to do with Carson Kelly making it to the majors as a catcher than it has anything to do with Johnny Peralta playing at all. And what I mean by that is I think the more that we will see Peralta get starts at third really tells us that I think the future of the team has Carpenter moving back across the diamond with Yachty going to first and Carson coming up. And that might be in a season of transition to where Yachty plays first and catcher while Carson plays catcher and so on. But that's, like I said, just a conspiracy theory. But I just, I've watched Mosaic over the years do a lot of what I call Machiavellian moves and sort of feels like we're setting ourselves up for that. But I just want to leave that out there. We can talk about that at another time. If you're looking to talk about that more, there will be a post on this going up tomorrow from me on RedbirdRants.com. Uh, stick with I'm us. Be we'll be to back. On that. <laughs> well, yeah. phenomenal. We'll be back right after the break. 
Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, you are listening to the fourth installment of the official Redbird Rant podcast. Redbird Rants from Fansided, a sports blog about everything on the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, in this episode, we have myself, Michael Miles, editor of Redbird Rants, joined by writers Tito Rivera, Josh McDonald, and Nathan Grime. And we are going to wrap ourselves up here by talking about two things. And those two things are, are the Cardinals um, a playoff team right now? And then to piggyback off of that, what are the power rankings of the National League for us right now? What are the top five NL teams? What are the other teams in the division in the National League or the Eastern Division, Western Division? What are the ones that are grabbing our attention? So the two questions on the table are, are the Cardinals a playoff team right now? If the season stopped now, would they survive in the playoffs? And then the second thing is, who are your top five NL teams and then any other teams in the NL that may be grabbing your attention? I'll kick it off. Nobody. I think. There you go. I'll kick it off. I got it. I got it. Um, I, if I had to say right now, without a question, I think the Cardinals are a playoff team. I think their rotation has proven that they can. They're going to be healthy this year. I mean, obviously, it's it's still May, but it, we're getting closer to the end of May and. Come June, you know, that's when, your te- you know, teams start to separate themselves from the pack. And I think if the Cardinals can continue this, they are a playoff team without question. And, uh, you know, they're just maybe a couple moves away from being, you know, one of the premier contenders in the National League. And my top five NL teams right now um, in this particular order – I have the Washington Nationals, number one. I've got Colorado, number two. I have the L.A. Dodgers, number three. And then I have the Cardinals, four. And then the Chicago Cubs, five. Uh, My top five looks a little different, but the same teams seem to be in there with just a little variance. Um, To start it off, I will say I don't think the Cardinals are a full-blown playoff contender at this point because I think that bullpens have proven to be key when it comes to the playoffs. Just look at the Indians and the Cubs last year. Um, And I don't think our bullpen could handle that unless you want to uh, risk shoulder and elbow injuries from Rosenthal, Bowman, and O. I just don't think we're there yet. And I think one or two trades could get us there or calling up some guys, but at this point, I think it's kind of hard to consider the team a real playoff contender with the bullpen they're trotting out. Um, when it comes to my top five, I had to start with the Rockies. Um, I don't – best record in the league. It's kind of hard not to put them at one. Uh, the Nationals coming in at two. This one's not going to be liked, but I had the Cubs at three. I think their lineup is too good to not succeed. The issue for them has been that their pitching's come down to earth a bit. Kyle Hendricks is not a Cy Young contender, which is utterly not shocking. Uh, number four, I had the Diamondbacks. There's a lot of talent on that team. It just seems to finally be coming together. You just have to wonder how good they could be if they were more healthy and A.J. Pollock could play a full season. And for number five, I, just, I had it Cardinals or Dodgers, and I'll just say let's call the winner of number five as the winner of the series. 
tonight, and uh, five can go to them to whoever wins the series, and six on the outside looking in, whoever loses tonight. Yeah, so I'll go ahead and answer the question. Do I think the Cardinals are a playoff team right now? I would say right now, no, but I think they're really close. And do I think the things that they need to become a playoff team, do I think them, that those things can happen? Yeah, I do think they can. Um, those things would be shoring up the ball plan for sure. And a lot of these bats are still – all of these guys in, on the offense um, in the lineup are still underperforming compared to their career rates and career standards. So I think some of that will improve. The starting rotation has kind of been second to none. I mean, it's it's got the best earned run average right around three in all of baseball. Um, remarkable turn of starting pitching, especially uh, this last week, as we kind of mentioned at the very top of the show. Um, but, yeah, the bullpen needs to be shored up a little bit. I think new arms will help with that. Uh, I think the Cardinals do eventually make the playoffs after they get these things figured out. Right now, um, I would say no, and they're only a half game out of the division. Um behind the Cubs. And if they win tonight, they're even with the Cubs. As far as the top five in the national league goes, I would put Washington number one, Colorado, number two, Arizona, number three. I'd put the Cubs fourth and the Dodgers fifth with the Cardinals very close to the Dodgers. And if the Cardinals can win two out of three against the Dodgers on the road, uh, that'd be good. You know, when it, when our, this, when you see these stats from these pitchers, and it's kind of incredible to me what we're looking at, and I think that's kind of why I had the Cardinals as right there with between five and six with the Dodgers. Um, I just want to say, can we get an asterisk with the uh, pitching just a little bit that has Carlos Martinez's stats taken out from when he had the braids? Because outside <laughs> of that, he's been phenomenal. <laughs> But I, I think it's you know we talk about the bullpen struggling. Think about it this way: it's and this is this is where it really really hurts you. The Cardinals, uh, with their starters in, them winning, they've won 18 of the 23 games that they that they've played in as starters. They've only lost 11 of the 20, and the others have all been bullpen. <laughs> That's just that's just amazing to me. I mean, you you would expect it to be a little bit higher for the starters, but when they're almost even, that's that is a telling sign of your starting pitching and your bullpen. Okay, so we said that we would come back. To that, or I said we'd very likely come back to the question of who decides certain things. And I think we all pointed earlier that things were decided by Mosaic and Matheny had some, some input and uh, so on. So in our final five minutes, now that we've got our power rankings, and by the way, I, I'm not sharing mine because they've really matched Tito's. Uh, I was right there with you, Tito. I, I couldn't have agreed more with the reason behind them. Those were my five. I just uh, I don't I, think I, I, I like the Diamondbacks. It's it's a it's a sneaky pick. They're starting pitching though. Granky has been their best pitcher and he should be, but their rotation is not good enough to compete with the rest of them. And neither is Colorado's, but their lineup is so good that you can't count them out. Yeah, in any season that Colorado is playing better on the road than they are at home, you better watch out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Arizona's got a good offense too, though. I mean, put them in yeah. Coors Field, and they they'd match up with the Rockies pretty close. But I think. you put any, but you put anybody in Coors Field, and you could you'd say the same thing, right? I think what's Airplanes. curious about the Arizona's Rockies got a good offense, though, objectively. Yeah, I, I agree. But I think the Diamondbacks are a good team. Don't get me wrong. And, and Josh is right. They're a young team, and they're just hitting their stride. I, I just, again, over across the power teams in the NL, I don't think they stack up well, and I think they will falter because of their starting pitching. I think what's scariest about the Rockies, though, is they just recently got Ian Desmond back, and they still don't have David Dahl back. So mm-hmm. they, they still have these weapons that are coming, and they mm-hmm. absolutely have the weapons in the minors to go get another pitcher, like, say, an Archer or a Sonny Gray. Well, and that's why, and that's why I pointed out in my May schedule piece that these two series against the Dodgers and the Rockies, or I guess three, but, the, you know, the next two opponents for the Cardinals – it's important to, to see how they stack up because they're, they're playing – both of the teams are playing pretty good baseball. Obviously, the Rockies, like you said, Josh, have the, you know, the best record in baseball, but they're playing really well. And if the Cardinals want to contend, they've got to step up to the plate and, and beat these teams. And, you know, I said it in a, uh, at the very end of a recent piece, you know, you might be looking at an NLDS preview right now between the – the Dodgers and the Cardinals, but like I said, you know, the Cardinals, if they, if they want to continue their success, they have to beat these teams on the road. They have to do it. Okay. So we've got two minutes left. What I'd like to have is for, let's go around the horn again. And what I would like for you to play is put on the hat of general manager and tell me one move or one change or one alteration that you would make right now to impact the Cardinals team to keep them winning. Let's start with you, Josh. And I was hoping I get to go first here because I, because I know I, I'm going to put this one out there and I know everyone else is going to want to have said it. Get rid of Jonathan Brock. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that one has to happen. There are plenty of other good options in AAA that you can bring up for him. He is, killing this team every time he comes in it's just an assumed run on the board for whoever we're facing all right um, so nathan that is that's yeah. off the board so what do you that have? Would have been what i would say but i'll stick with the bullpen i'll say we saw sam tuivalala go down for tyler lyons i would rather see sam tuivalala in the bullpen than miguel sikolovich all right so tito that means that broxton's gone off the board and um, Sokolovich is off the board. What do you got? Um, I'm going to go a little different here, and I'm going to go and say uh, I'm putting my GM hat on, and I'm trading for Evan Longoria. Interesting. All right. Well, I I actually like all of those. Could we just do all of them? Um, (laughs) Of course, that's – I'm always good when I get to spend other people's money. <laughs> Guys, if it were up to me, I think one of the big things that I would do is um, I'd probably make a, a change in the coaching staff. Uh, and I don't really know what that means exactly. I don't know if it's a Matheny or, uh, or or who else, but that's what I would. That's what I'd go with. The quality uh, control coach. Me. Hey, I think there's something that 
there as well. But thank you guys <laughs> again. Another wonderful, wonderful episode. Uh, our fourth one. Great start. I really appreciate you uh, doing this, helping us kick it off. And uh, for all of our listeners, jump over to redbirdranch.com. From, from there, you can read all the articles. You can also follow these guys on Twitter and find them all at redbirdranch.com. So thanks, guys. Thanks, listeners. And go Cardinals.